Welcome to another bonus segment of Get Geeky with Kiki. In this bonus episode, JC and I took on the 2018 Swedish film Draug. This is a much more in-depth review that was previously on our Patreon, but we have released Back Into the Wild. This is not a totally spoiler-free episode, so be sure to watch the film first if you want to be surprised. Our reviews, and this is the first one, we're going to start out with a little bit of uh, what we're going to be doing. So our reviews will feature mostly gothic, supernatural, found footage, animal, and psychological horror. And if JC doesn't agree with that, tough shit. <laughs> there might also be some comedy horrors in there. Okay, this, okay, I, I left that one out, but that's it, yeah. Really, as long as horror is in the category, it, it might come up. So here's the thing. When watching horror, I personally am always looking for certain characteristics and how they're used in new and inventive ways. Those characteristics are mystery, suspense, and fear. And I'm most satisfied when each builds upon the other. So the mystery is held up by suspense, and fear comes naturally when I'm worried about what's going to happen to the main character caught up in that mystery. So if I don't care about the character, then I wind up just laughing my ass off when people could die. So there are some tropes that hopefully JC and I are going to try to avoid, though, or, or at least ones that we want to see in a completely different way. And those are jump scares, which, if they're done right, they can be fun. The good old no cell phone coverage. Oh, God. <laughs> That's so stupid in any movie. But anyway, abandoned places, unless they're integral to the story, like in The Thing. Mm-hmm. Vengeful spirits, unless there's some kind of thought put into the aftermath of knowing that there is life after death. That's usually my biggest problem with a vengeful spirit movie. Ah, the worst one, death by sex, which is so 1970s, I'm, I'm thoroughly over that. And of course, the one that I really hate the most, which is The Final Girl, which I only like when it's Ripley from Aliens. Hopefully, JC, you agree with uh, with those tropes that are just overdone, and we're going to try to avoid those. We'll avoid talking too much about them. Well, no, unless they're done right. So sometimes they're done really well. Eh. Eh. I'm trying to think what my ideal perfect jump scare is. I think the best jump scare I've ever seen is from Exorcist The Beginning. I do not think I saw that one. Good. Don't. It's yeah, I'm not interested terrifying. in those. And I'll talk about that story later in this review because it's going to relate to part of this review. So uh, Okay. The movies that I've enjoyed that are... Okay, there's one in particular I can say right now, and I, I, would, love to, I would love to review this movie because it's one of my all-time favorites. It's a newer movie, and it has made my top 10 films of Halloween since it came out. Okay. And it has nothing to do with the fact that one of the lead actors is Tom Hiddleston. I swear to God, it doesn't. And that's okay, Crimson, what is it? Crimson Peak. Well, I know what movie to put on the never watch Shut for up. this review thing. Because I pick Shut all the up. movies. <laughs> I want to review Crimson Peak. I want you to watch it if you haven't watched it. I want to do that one at some point. Um, okay. Because because it's it has the vengeful spirits, right? And there actually is an explanation 
of that aftermath of knowing that there is life after death about what happens when you recognize that there are ghosts. And then it's it's a jump scare movie, but it's Guillermo del Toro and it is right up there with the other in my top 10 which is um The Devil's Backbone, which was actually the first movie I ever saw that Guillermo had done. It's beautiful. And that's what Crimson Peak is. It's a beautiful movie. It's really well shot. And even the jump scares are like gorgeous. Yeah, I loved it. Had those two things. And you have to worry about uh, no cell cell phone coverage because it was a a gothic horror. So there weren't any. I mean, I will say, I think the best way to get around the no cell cell phone coverage thing is to just say that every member in the horror in the movie has AT&T. Hey, I have I have AT&T and I have really good coverage. Shut the fuck I'm up. Joking. I know you are. Say Verizon or like Sprint. Oh, God. Wait, I have Sprint. How dare you? They have terrible coverage. <laughs> Especially have... in places where horror movies would happen. There you go. Like out of the mountain. Yeah. If you're in a city, Sprint's fantastic. If you're anywhere you might die... Forget Not about it. City? Yeah, you're dead. You're, you're, <laughs> no 911's coming for you, buddy. <laughs> so since this is our first one, I'm going to have a little bit of fun with you, JC. I said there'd be a little bit of a test. So our listeners are going to follow along, and hopefully they'll have the same outcome that you do. For me, the only theme, true theme in horror, is to take the usual and make that into something unusual. And I can find that in every horror film ever made, the good ones, like the really good ones that, that are going to stay with you and get you, mm-hmm. I can name a normal everyday object or a living creature that has been turned on its ear by a horror movie. And I'm going to demonstrate. I'm excited. I'm going to tell you each of these objects represents a masterfully constructed film. And as soon as I say the word, you're going to be able to name the movie. And I'm going to start off a little bit easy. Shark. Jaws. Two. Hockey Mask. Oh, okay. Friday the 13th. Dreams. Freddy Krueger. Nightmare on Elm Street. Wow, I'm fucking stupid. You got, yeah, but you're getting the, you're getting it though. You at least can, you're I'm making that connection. Yes, sir. Jaws was easy because like Jaws is, you know, the shark and the movie. Ugh. Right. Okay. Prom. Uh, Carrie? Yep. Okay. Shower. Uh, scream. I was going for Psycho, oh, but... Yeah, no, Psycho would be better. Yeah, I don't think they're... I meant Psycho, honest. Okay. I pictured, like, the that scene, the shower scene from Psycho, and I said scream, and I don't know why. They're gonna get a little bit harder? That's what she said. Haha. <laughs> Bees. Bees. Oh, is that um uh they're remaking it? God damn it. What's that called? Um Candyman. Yes, yes. Lake. I'm gonna go with uh Lake Placid. Uh children. Of the corn? Yeah. <laughs> this is a hard one. Birds. <laughs> I'm gonna say the movie Birds, which I've actually never seen. What? Yeah, well the thing is I already <clears throat> have a fear of birds. 
Oh, man. Well, so I've avoided the movie where they murder it because I feel like it might just heighten my ridiculous fear of them. Uh, yeah, if you don't like birds, then don't watch it. it yeah, I'm going to watch it. It's a, it's a masterful movie, but it is very scary if you are afraid of birds. I mean, I'm scared shitless of dolls, but like, I'll still watch <laughs> movies with dolls in them. Oh, fuck that. No. Okay, Cabin. Uh, ooh, I'm gonna go with, and there's a lot that I could choose here, but I'm going with Evil Dead. Yeah, see, that was the one I was thinking of. Okay. But Cabin in the Woods, which I have not seen yet. Oh, that's good. That could be a good one. I think we'll have to review that. Television. Uh, Poltergeist. Yeah. Fava Beans. Oh, that's, um, Hannibal Lecter. Uh Uh-huh. Something with the sheep. God, Silence of the Lambs. (laughs) Yes. Okay typewriter misery oh that's a good see see it works on a different level too so that's good i was thinking of a movie that was before that um are you thinking of the shining yes i love that movie i actually think the misery is scarier than shining like it's just a psycho fan yeah yeah that i think that there's there's the whole helplessness of in that movie that makes it like more heightened for me as far as like the scare factor mm-hmm. and how and how psycho of fans can be about stuff in general. Yeah. But as far as actually afraid, I was definitely more afraid during The Shining and I think it was psychological there. Yeah, I I think misery is more of like a day-to-day thing. Like I'm more worried about that happening in my actual life than like the shining happening in my actual life. <laughs> right, 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 right. But I think watching the shining is more probably more terrifying. Last this is the last one. And it I'm hoping you get it. I'm not sure. Okay. But but it's literally like my absolute favorite horror film of all time. And the word is husky, as in the dog husky. Um oh wait. Is it the one with the dentist that moves up from from uh, Miami, and then he gets a sleigh dog team. Are you scared? Do you think that's a horror movie? Disney did it. Oh no, <laughs> no. I I have no idea what horror movie has a husky. In. This movie also has uh, one of those tropes, which is an abandoned place. I just mentioned it earlier. Okay, that's not helping. And the abandoned place is the. Norwegian ice station where the only living creature left is the husky. Oh, it's the thing. Oh, see, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, I love that movie so much. So, so much. You know, I've only seen it like once or twice. It's a good movie. I should probably rewatch the original and the, I don't think it was a remake, was it? It was like a continuation. It it wasn't a remake. It was actually supposed supposedly, and I didn't bother with it, um, to be honest. But it was supposed to go back and tell you about what happened to the Norwegians. Oh, so it was a prequel. Yeah, okay. yeah. And and I felt like I just wasn't that interested enough. You know, like I we yeah, got it, you don't care about Norwegian people. It was I get it. well, you know, okay. I am one quarter Norwegian, so no, I really do care about them. But um, I think that. In this case, when you're you're taking something away from the thing 
if you're going to start telling me about that. The reason it was so fucking creepy was because all this weird shit went down and nobody knew what happened. And then you were kind of getting bits and pieces from like logbooks and stuff. And you're like, did they just go insane? Like, you know, what happened? Kind of like Event Horizon scares the living shit out of me. And psychologically fucked with me to the point that I, I couldn't watch it for like, I haven't not, I think I've only seen it once in the movie theater. That was it. I think same, but not in the movie theater. Um, Like during blockbusters time, I think we rented it and I watched it and I was probably way too young to watch it. And uh, yeah, I, I just knew it had the guy from Jurassic Park. Um, yeah. And I love him. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. He's fantastic. And then it was, yeah, I I could not watch that. I don't think I watched the whole thing. I got too scared. Mind you, I was probably like nine. Yeah. So I was allowed to be scared. Oh, yeah, that was a little bit too, that was a little bit too young for you at nine. Yeah. I, I, I truly think so. It was a very uh, gruesome Actually, movie. it came out in 97. So when it came out, I was seven years old. Oh, are you saying I was too young? I'm saying, no, I'm saying that if you watched it when you were nine, you were probably a little bit too young to watch that because yeah, it was a okay, pretty gruesome film. My year. Right, right, right. No, no. Okay. I know that they're doing a either a continuation of that or possibly prequel leading up to the end mission. And I'm sort of intrigued by that. Anyway, pretty cool, right? Like how just something as simple as a typewriter suddenly becomes this really scary thing right and that's what i love about a good horror film yeah and that sticks with you because like there's a lot of shitty horror movies um so many i mean i love them i love bad horror trolls too you will always have a place in art so we we gonna talk about draug now we're going to now we're going to get into it. Now you know like where we're coming from, you know a little bit more about how we absolutely love movies and we're really excited to do this. Yay. I'm excited. This is how we're going to break it down for future reference so we don't have to go over this again since it's the first one. I'm going to give you a synopsis. That's my job. I'm going to tell you who the actors are. That's my job. And the characters, obviously. And then we're just basically going to go down a list of, you know, a few things to go over and discuss whether or not we like them or not. And some of these movies, and this one in particular, actually talks about um, historical place and a very specific time period. And so it's my job to tell you guys whether or not it's all bullshit or if it's been researched really well and they did a great job with it. So so, some of the things we're going to be looking at in general are dialogue. what's, What's my job? You're just supposed to watch the movie and then give your opinion as well. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I'm so glad uh, I have the hard part. If you don't know what your own opinion is, then we're all fucked. <laughs> to be fair, there's quite a few subjects I don't know. Um, very day to day. So like Loki. Oh God. You're right. <laughs> very see you, you Loki, not actually. I know, I know, I know. I knew what you meant. I knew. I know everything when it comes to Loki. MCU Loki. And other Loki as well. Everything Everyone knows this. Right probably uh, fucking someone up the ass by now. Well, well, yeah. well. Probably you said you knew everything. That's well, like it's definitely. the same in reality. It varies from day to day. The actual Loki is exactly the same way. 
uh, am I going to be a horse today? Am I going to be human? Am I going to be female? Am I going to get Thor in trouble? Dress him up like a female and try to get his stuff back from the giants for the millionth time? Anyway, nobody cares about any of that. So plot twist, we'll go over that if there isn't any. And uh, then we're going to say, like, is the dialogue great? How are the props, special effects, wardrobe, makeup, music and sound, what we like the most, what we like the least, and then we're going to rate it. And this is not going to be spoiler free because the idea is that you guys already know to watch this in advance and uh, you've watched it and now you're going to let us tell you all about it. So let's uh, jump right on in. All right. So this is pretty cool. It is the feature debut of writer directors uh, Klaus Pearson and Karen Engman. So this is their first time out. Draug mixes familiar horror elements with mythology straight from an old Viking saga. The movie transports us to the 11th century Sweden, where a military contingent commanded by Lord Hawken, who's played by Ralph Beck, is searching for a missing missionary group, say that five times real fast, that vanishes somewhere in the vicinity of the ominous Odmarden Forest. Soldiers' orders are to find the missionaries, led by one of Hawken's old comrades in arm, or kill the insurgents who killed them. Among the searchers are Hawkins' foster daughter, Nana, who's played by Elna Carlson, and she's been raised among the royal guards since she was orphaned in her early childhood. Nana does not remember her former life, but sometimes has strange visions and dreams that provide clues as to what became of her family. Spoiler alert, she's gonna find out. The trek leads the small group to another of Hawkins' old friends, the drunkard and bullying sheriff, Kettle played by Thomas Hedegren, and accompanied by his consort companion, lovely slave Deja, Nina Filamushkina, Kettle is only too happy to join Hawken and the company in interrogating the locals, who in turn are only too happy to oppose the interlopers. Right off the bat, there's this tension buildup between the two factions who are out trying to find these missionaries because the sheriff's kind of a dick, making things worse. So the good news is that Odmarden, or Eskigamork, is a real forest. But okay, <laughs> so I wanted to say that the sheriff guy, my favorite character. Yeah, he was a total dick. <laughs> yeah, which is probably why he was my favorite character. He's just like, yeah, I drink a lot. I like beer and uh, let's fuck shit up. <laughs> I mean, That's he was not... a terrible person at the end, but I mean, <laughs> who isn't? Yeah, right whole thing takes place in Odmarden, or Eskigemork, which is a real forest in the eastern coast of Sweden that separates the north from the south. Kettle Hogan's saga describes the place as 20 rest stops long and an evil trek. You had bandits, and we're talking about this is real life stuff. This is taken directly from the saga. You had bandits, wolves, bears. Not a nice place to roam around. On the other side of the forest was Halsingland. In the 11th century, the Archbishop Bremen sent six missionaries to Sweden. One of them was Simeon, who traveled to Halsingland. On his travels, Simeon decided to vandalize all the pagan sites along the way. Sounds like a good idea. He's a dick. The mostly yeah. heathen base of the north ran him down and stoned him to death. And before you think that's terrible... The Christians did some absolutely horrible things to Scandinavian heathens who refused to convert 
including shoving a horn down the throat of Raul the Strong and forcing a snake down it. I think that's like the fifth time you've said that. That's it. Just feels example. it feels like it because that's my example in this place only. It's actually only the second time I've said it, but probably the fifth time I've told you about it. Oh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, never has never been on the podcast. Will be now as long as the no, I think it was. doesn't suck. So, Raul the Strong's Remembrance Day, by the way, is January the 9th, in case anybody wanted to celebrate the feast day. Nearby to where Simeon was killed, an inn was built as a permanent place to rest before your trek into the forest. It is known as Tonabra and sits on the European E4, which is built right on the northern trail, the main path through the Oudmarten. A particularly accident-ridden path just south of Tonabra is called the Road of Death by locals. <laughs> Nice. They say it is built on the Vitterstrak, or the Vetir White Path. So, the Ghost Path. Yeah. And this is all real-life stuff. This is, this is where our story has taken place for real. I was very, very impressed with the, uh, the plot because they stuck very close to the saga of Kettle. Now, where they veer off is that we've got the story of Nana and that Simeon, our missionary that's missing, may not have been killed or stoned to death by the pagans, but in fact was killed by something else. Ooh, sounds spooky. <laughs> and, you, and we know what that something else was. I mean, I do. Well, yeah, we're, you, I thought you were going to spoil it because you, you love to spoil the things. Oh, a draug? Right. Which is the name of the movie. They kind of spoil it. Well, that's, that, that's fair enough. Yeah, they do. Is that uh, your overview? That, that, is, that is the overview. What's the next segment? There is a plot twist in this that I caught on pretty quickly what was happening. And that is that we, we know that Nana is having these visions she's brought with. And we're going to find out that... Wow, spoiler alert. I told you that we're going to spoil the shit out of this. I know, right? <laughs> oh. oh, because one of us can't keep his mouth shut. That's the reason that we're spoiling it. Yes. Because <laughs> I could have just not said any of that stuff. I'm just going to go right through and, you know, not even talked about the plot twist at the end. One of the biggest reasons that you wanted me to watch this film was because it does deal with uh, Scandinavian heathenry. Yes. And I wanted and to see how... From your perspective, how close they kind of got. Because there is a ritual near the end of... Well, yeah. there's actually two rituals that I know of. There's the one that uh, Worm Cunt does. <laughs> and then there's the one at the end, Nana. 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 I don't even, can't even fucking remember her name. <laughs> Look, I wasn't listening to the name. I was <laughs> reading it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, let me talk about the rituals real quick. Actually, maybe I'll go back. Let's not talk. I'll take out the part where we spoil the twist. That we'll sounds right great. Yeah, we'll go into the because, yeah, that was the whole reason that you had me watch this was for the for that. So I've already told you guys the history behind it is spot on. The plot is perfect as far as that goes. Uh, you, it, this is me. And we've got to kind of preface this by saying that uh, this is a film that is in Swedish. So you're going to have to read subtitles. Sorry. Or you could learn Swedish. Swedish. Yeah, One of the two. Can... Whatever's easier for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Duolingo does have Swedish. 
just going to throw that out there if you want to learn. Hashtag sponsor us. It's not really that difficult. I did enjoy the ritual part. They were, again, did their homework. There's okay. a lot of archaeological evidence to support the things that they actually had in the movie. So I can talk about that for one second here. There was an archaeological dig. It was a Firecot. Firecot. F-Y-R-K-A-T. Oh, I'm sorry. It was in Denmark, near Hobro in Denmark. And it was a Viking woman who was buried in a wagon. They think that she was probably a high priestess of some kind, or the equivalent word would be vulva in heathen tradition. A seer is what it means. But it, it translates also as woman who holds a wand. And that comes up at the end of the movie, the ritual that's done at the end of the movie, where there is a wand of iron that is it looks almost exactly like the wand that they took out of this ar- archaeological dig. It is so fucking cool. I was like, awesome. Thank you guys. You got it right. You did a great job. The first ritual where the old woman sort of goes into a trance, that's probably henbane seed, which was found with this woman at the uh, the dig as well. What happens is you put the henbane into a fire and it creates a hallucinogenic smoke. And then that's supposed nice. to put you in a trance, sometimes a, a euphoric state as well. Definitely has a psychedelic effect and you could see into the future. Very, very similar to oracles in ancient Greece. Now this woman, she had a lot of really cool things that were also found with her, like a trinket box that might have actually come from Asia. Oh, Yeah, that gives you a a bronze cup that was probably from Central Asia. So it's this idea that the Vikings had contact with Asia like long before anybody else did. And there was also a bowl, too. And I thought that was kind of cool because the old woman uses that little bowl to put probably the henbane in that gives her that hallucinogenic sight. So that was spot on. And then the ritual at the end, when Nana discovers who she really is... And she puts this wand into the ground. The top of it has like a twist in it, but it's hollow. And it looks like she puts the henbane inside the hollow part and sets it on fire so that the smoke comes at her face. And then she sees her vision and realizes who she really is. Yeah. So pretty cool. Loved it. Good job, guys. I'm glad you enjoyed that because it seemed like the rituals were both done well, but I don't know anything about that kind of shit. So I'm like, give it to Kiki. Yeah, when I saw her pull the wand out, I was like, nice. (laughs) So cool. So if we break it down from sort of the beginning of the film, I think you had said you liked that scene where they're fighting in the water. Well, they weren't fighting. They were practicing drills. Right, right. But yeah, yeah, that was really cool. They did a lot of traveling on boats. You need to be strong swimmers. And you need to also kind of be able to fight while swimming. And then just the fact that they did that was really good to me because it, re- it to me it showed like the historical knowledge swimming and if you can fight underwater you can fight on land it's weight resistant it's also endurance and cardio which are two very important parts of combat training i mean most medieval fights would go on for hours it takes a little bit to kill people so it's the 11th century you've got Christianity already in there but it's it's kind of like where the heathens are are very much not wanting to give up their way of life it's and... kind of like if I could Kiki for a moment okay, it's kind of like you know 
Christianity is a boyfriend. And <laughs> and uh sweet Switzerland. No wait. Sweden. I'm stupid. <laughs> Sweden is is their girlfriend. And you know, Sweden's already, you know, okay, yeah, I'll give you a beach. Okay, yeah, we can do vagina. But Christianity, he still wants anal and he's gonna get it. So that's kind of where we're at. They're st- they're pushing and pushing and pushing for it. And Sweden doesn't want it. Um, parts, you know, parts of Sweden, parts Sweden's of Sweden's butt doesn't want it. Parts of Denmark are not at all interested in Christianity. They're perfectly happy with what they have. I like my analogy. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> butt sex. It always winds up going back to butt sex with you in some way. I, <sighs> I don't know what it is with you. Are you sure that you don't enjoy butt sex? Because <laughs> you keep saying you don't, but then you won't shut up. <laughs> and you know what? I have just decided that I don't want to know the answer. Okay, so we're good. Forget I asked the question. Hawken is our, technically, our protagonist. And it's it becomes difficult for me down the road, though, when you realize what he's done to not still like him. And then he he goes out pretty horribly. So it's uh, it's the sheriff that I really don't like. And that guy is Kettle. Sheriff Kettle. He was and is one of my preferred characters. I know. You like him because he's an asshole. I like him because he's a charismatic asshole. <sighs> I, to be fair, though, like, he's living on the fringe of society. In and out. Like, you don't have nice people. Girl. Yeah. It was... Sweden in the 1100s. Lots of people probably. I bet your Harkin had seven. <laughs> like he was commander of the Royal Guard. To me, that's not what makes him an asshole because I think he actually treated her pretty well. But it's really funny how she's kind of like just, yeah, okay, I'm a slave and I'm just dealing with it. And Well, that's because it's women yeah. in feudalism Europe. It sucks, but it's not like women rights and women freedoms were on the well, top of the list of things men gave a shit about. Except this, this is Scandinavia. And as we know, women actually had the same rights as men, if not a little bit more. Scandinavian women did. Right. So it's interesting how you get to see that Nana has... Oh, she's like, in the royal car launch. Right. Like, she's been trained and, and everything. And then poor uh, Deja's like, you know, treated... Well, she's a slave. <laughs> Once again, I think he treated her totally pretty sucks. well. No, no, he he did. He did. Except that you could tell that she, well, we'll get there. I think she actually had a thing for him. Uh, because kind of like. Felt like at the end there when she, you know, let's, let's, let's get to the end. Let's, let's get oh, toward okay. the end and I'll okay. tell you what I think. Cause I, cause I, you might have forgotten what she says at the end. And I was like, Maybe. oh, okay. It's possible. Well, um, I think she tolerated him. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay, so they go on the mission, and the first thing they run into is a band of bandits, very much like Kettle in the original saga talks about how this is not a good place to hang out at. The forest is riddled with them. I did enjoy this particular battle because it's not one of these like overly choreographed battles. It It's like we are completely surrounded. We're kind of outnumbered. But because we are Royal Guard and we know how to defend ourselves very well, they showed the shield wall technique, 
with just what five people uh, i believe so they fought him back they yeah. did have to run, but they were defend. They defended themselves enough to where they could get away from that bandit attack and take a prisoner. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, they definitely they killed way more than they lost. Yeah, well, and they didn't lose technically. Technically, at that in the battle, they didn't lose anyone. That's fair. That one guy was hurt pretty bad. But. Yeah. Then there was the guy who who was he was actually pretty pretty uh, hot actor. Um, <clears throat> yeah, he he got a. Got the arrow right through his cheek. That was pretty nasty. Oh, yeah. He was... That guy was badass. Yeah, I was kind of upset about the end for him. I was like, oh, dang it. But yeah, I enjoyed that battle. Even the... So, like, the bandits were shooting with bows, and then they started using rocks, and you saw how the shield wall kind of adapted to that. Where I mean, it was just raising the shield, or the, the yeah, the shields. There was a person giving orders and everyone followed the command in unison. And you could tell there was a lot of teamwork going on, which was yeah. something that the Vikings were well known for. A lot of their troops worked well together. Uh, uh, one thing I didn't like about the entirety of it, but I get why they didn't do it, is there was um, no armor in any way, shape or form worn by any character to my memory. And they would have, most of the, like, Royal Guard, they should have at least had some kind of probably branded leather or metal bandit armor. Kind of like what, for you Game of Thrones peoples out there, what Stannis Baratheon wore, where it's, like, plated iron on, like, leather hide. Especially if they were Royal Guards, because they would have had the more funding to have better armor. Otherwise, just chain or male armor, because chainmail didn't technically, wasn't a word. I feel, and here's why I feel like they didn't have armor. It didn't add to the story, and having your actors in armor for a trip like that, it is incredibly excruciating. And that, like, so I do LARPing. So I wear armor on hikes. It's exhausting. If it's real steel, it's an extra 35 to 45 pounds for a shirt of chain. It's a lot. And I get why they didn't do it, because it's heavy and it's it didn't add it. Like the battles, the fight scenes, they were cool, but that's not what the movie was about. Well, OK, if you're just looking at the time period. Um, mm -hmm. Only the most wealthy at this point are going to be wearing chain mail. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I mean, that's that's true. Yeah, it's gonna be, it's Romans wore it. Lots of people had chain, more like chainish armor. In Sweden, in the 1100s. I'm telling you. I'm looking at it right now. That's what I'm saying, dude. I don't just make this shit up. I wanted to see. You know, I was like, well, who's going to have the armor? It's your wealthiest people and retainers are the ones who are really having the chain mail. Otherwise, for the most part, it's going to be cloth and leather armor. But I guess the, if you're trying to reconcile that in this movie in particular, maybe they felt like they didn't really need it because yeah, they then, didn't. if they're going into battle at all, it's the type of battle that we actually saw in that fight. It's just bandits who don't have any armor either. Yeah, but you having you armor know? is still a huge bonus. Yeah, but if it's not, if you don't have access to it, then you're just going to be, you're going to have your uh, cloth and, and leather yeah. armor anyway. I feel yeah. like they should have at least had, like, once again, I get it. 
it's a pain in the ass and it's loud and it's obnoxious and it's heavy uh to have good looking armor in in movies i get what and it didn't it wouldn't have added anything like it was completely fine without it it was just something i noticed yeah they, and and like you had said though it's like taking that out though it levels the playing field between your two as far as neither one of them having like heavy armor but what did we see we saw that the quote-unquote royal guard was super awesome at working together Mm -hmm. and they still walked away from that fight with minimal even though there were like it was like you know 20 versus five yeah at least that's what it, and it was an ambush like. of 20. Right. Which really, if you have an ambush, you should have an advantage even with equal numbers. Right. Um, and, that, and that just goes to show that, that they are true bandits. They're not really working together very well. Yeah, they're, they're level two warriors versus yeah. level seven warriors. Exactly. And they're, they're, they're outcasts of society. They're heathens, most likely, because, uh, you know, the Christians didn't want them in town anymore. Oh, we didn't. We didn't really touch on the fact that uh, the the first ritual done by the old woman she's she's an outcast too. She lives she's sick and she has all these sores on her legs and she's. Are you talking about worm cunt? Yeah, she's. I'm not saying that word. I'm only saying it because it's what they refer to. I know. No, it's fine. You. I know that you were enjoying it, so I'm letting you do that. That uh, that she, she was basically outcast as well, and she's living in a hut outside of. Of everybody else. So you really got that sort of like Christianity is cutting off the the heathens completely. You know, they're they're either like what's her name? Worm cunt. <laughs> living in <laughs> living in a shack and obviously desperately in need of, of some help, but nobody cares about her. Or you're living in the forest and you're like a nobody and uh getting your ass handed to you by five five I'm sorry, it's kind of funny. There's like five people, but technically one of them is a slave girl who still manages to beat the shit out of them. So that was really funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think she ended up using a rock to smash one of oh, their yeah. heads in. Technically yeah. it's six. It was six of them all together. Yeah, so Nana, Kettle, Hawken, Gunder, Odd, and Cole are all the guys in the band. And then you have Deja who like, yeah, beat the, yeah. I mean, she went nuts. They had to, like, pull her away from that fight. Yeah. That was pretty cool. See, and I felt like she was taking some of her anger out of being a slave, like, on them, you know? Probably. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great moment. Go, Deja. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. And then you get to see Nana. She's fighting with them. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? So that was pretty cool. We start getting into the creepy stuff about right after this, where the forest is, uh, yeah. Because the bandits, they were chasing them, and they stopped. Yeah. Because they knew something was up. Yeah. And then the bandit that they capture is, uh, oh, you know what? That's Cole. Odd, Gunder, Hawken, and Kettle. And then Deja and Nana. Okay. And then Cole is the one who winds up joining the party after because he is, well, he's captured by them. So, <laughs> poor dude. So, Odd, Odd gets fucked up pretty bad. And he's the first one to go down to the Draug. I always think of Draug, I think of Draugr from Skyrim and Mm -hmm. like undead warriors who are able to, they still sort of have a mind of their own though. Yeah. And they attack people. Now this was a little bit more like a undead creature, but in D&D terms, it was closer to a white or a, uh, a ghoul. I would say more like a ghoul to me. 
yeah. yeah. Able to invade the mind and, and rather than hurting these people with like swords and stuff, they were invading their mind and getting them to basically kill themselves. Mm-hmm. That was fucked up. So when did you catch on to the twist here? Which I, f- I feel like right about right, right after this, when Hawken and Kettle go into that cave <laughs> mm-hmm. after Nana has seen some shit again and Nana's like I don't think you should go into that cave they go into the cave and they go into the cave yeah why would you first of all don't Uh, ever go into a cave just caves are bad caves are bad juju so the cave scene I want to talk about this for a moment yeah go ahead because because this is where I'm going to reference the exorcist the beginning oh yeah 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 the best jump scares I believe I've, I've ever had was in exorcist the beginning there is a part where the main character is chasing the person who is possessed through a cavern. And the caverns are very tight. He's elbows and knees crawling through. Now, this is based in the 50s. So he just has a flame lit lantern, like oil lantern that he's using for light. And it goes out. So he's there. Okay. Tries to gang it back on, gets it on. And there's the face of the possessed person. And that person just starts scratching the shit out of him. (laughs) And I screamed when that happened. So whenever I watch a movie that is based in a cave, my mind goes directly to that shit. And I just expect that scenario to happen because holy shit, that's scary. I thought this was really well filmed. It because was. you felt you were in that tight spot with them. Yes. Now, I'm going to I'm going to talk a minute about, though, because some people will say why? Like even I at first was like, why the fuck are you going in there? Are you why? What? You have to remember that this even though these people have converted to Christianity, they still very much have what I would say is the heathen mentality. And they do not fear death because there's nothing there's nothing to fear in death we they know with certainty that they're going to be going you know to uh, most likely valhalla especially if they die in battle so i feel like they were fearless it's it's this like we're going in there first of all they're not thinking that there's any magic at this point involved anyway it's only the bandits we're going to go in there we're going to get them we're going to kill them and you know problem solved hawken goes to the top of the hill and discovers that the missionary was dead yes first yeah we the cave was way part. after that cave yeah. is like day two i forgot about that and that's the other thing too is that they discover that the missionary is dead and so now it's like it's on we have to kill these people because that is what the mission is mm-hmm. so it's not um the missionary was killed by Draug. For them, it's the missionary was killed by these bandits, and now we have to go into this cave, and we're going to go fucking kill him. Mm-hmm. And, of course, terrible things happen in the cave. I mean, define terrible. <laughs> Were they horrifying? Yes. So, Did people so die? Not, Most yes. definitely. <laughs> Horribly. <laughs> Basically getting you to commit suicide by banging your head against a cave wall until you die. Yeah, that's, that's pretty horrible. That's up there. I mean, it's not in my top 10 ways of death. So. No. <laughs> top 10 ways of death. Well, that could be a side story for L by itself. 
Wow, JC's top ten deaths. Top ten, ten deaths. Damn. Oh. We just we just came up with more ideas for you guys. Yeah. Okay, so we lose poor Hawken in the cave. Nana, I feel like, saw that coming, which is why she was telling him not to go in, because she's already feeling a connection to the Draug in some way. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's like just basic survival. Why would you chase this creature into where it wants you to go? And it obviously has the advantage. Like I said, I don't think that the guys were on to the fact that this is a creature at this point. They Even, think- even if it's a person, you don't chase them because you don't know what you're walking into. Yeah. This is why yeah. I'm terrible at playing D&D. <laughs> <laughs> like, come into this game. No! No. It has treasure in it. No! One time they trapped me in a room, and I broke down the wall. I literally okay. just mined a door into the wall and was like, Oh, yuck, I'm out. <laughs> Fuck with me. I'm a problem. Like, they want, there was this problem big problem. elaborate puzzle, and I'm like, Nah, I'm just going to go through the wall. <laughs> Maybe I'll just preface this by saying JC and Kiki are going to give you a movie review and it's going to, it's bad. We're terrible at this. <laughs> no, I think we're doing okay. No, we're doing okay. I just completely I mean, forgot about it. Whatever it oh, I know, it's going to be such a bitch. We lose Hawken. We lo- we've lost Odd at this point. Deja seems to be kind of like going on her way out. This is where I can talk a little bit about how the uh, the special effects are for this. It's a lot of like that dark blue red overtone thing going on, like a filter mm-hmm. over the camera lens. Sometimes I couldn't even see what the hell was going on exactly. It was kind of like watching a Batman versus Superman when I was like, <laughs> "Is it? It's just it's just a dark film." And I love that meme where like. It's a dark film. And they're like, I know it's because no, no, I'm literally it's fucking dark. I can't fucking see what the <laughs> fuck is going on. Is that bad? Is that Batman? Is that Superman? It kind of had that. This is the only complaint that I have about this film. There were some times when it was literally too fucking dark for me to see exactly what it was that was attacking people or what was going on because of the filter. Yeah. I mean, I uh, get uh, in the end why they did it, but. Like, the color scheme is actually sort of important. Well, there's but. a difference from, like, making it that it's it's dark and it's hard to see and and then to give the creature an element. But then there's also, we're just going to make the whole movie dark. Yeah. Like, when it's a filter that's basically on the entirety of the movie, like, that's just yeah. not a great no, decision. At least it, yeah, at least this didn't have this. It was definitely an effect for the creature. But it looks like when it came for... Uh, Deja that she basically is like take me you know? mm-hmm. which I took as you know what I'm so sick of being a fucking slave like get me the fuck out of here I'm out she fought to defend her life against the bandits so right. why would she not have thrown herself on a so I think that the the creature kind of lowered her will to live so yeah possibly that it wasn't like Deja just doing her thing. Like, it wasn't her on a normal day. It was, she was already being manipulated by this being. Or, if you're looking at it from a magic perspective, and she's Celtic, and maybe no realizes what this thing is, and that she can't fight it, and she's just like, check please, I'm out. <laughs> that's, that's fair. <laughs> that's a possibility. Anyway, yeah, so she kind of was like, I'm done. 
we lose her. And then I think we're finally getting to that, like, sort of the sweet spot here at the end where it's revealed. That Nana is the child of the drogs. Yeah. Yeah. And that she was taken at a young age by Harkin the Terrible. Yeah. Who killed her parents for witchcraft. Yeah. And then took her basically as a slave, quote unquote, because where was she going to go? What was she going to do otherwise? But he took her as, well, I was victorious. Now you belong to me. Did he treat her well? Sure. But she was his property. I guarantee, like. This is where I feel like Hawken couldn't kill the child. They could not kill her. Couldn't bring himself to do it. And that's sort of insinuated from Kettle, basically calling him like a, a coward that he couldn't, you know, do the deed. I mean, Takes yeah. Her in and she's but she's not a slave. Like he, she he's given her all the same rights, but he figures that he's brought her up as a Christian. I mean, she's wearing a cross until the end when she's like, fuck this shit. You know, I I'll bring her up, though, as a Christian and everything will be OK. Because mm-hmm. she's so young, like I can mold her into the new society that other people are just willingly like turning over and being like, all right, fine, whatever. The gods are dead, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So the theme here is definitely Christians versus heathens, 100%. And that. And who would you say won this? In the end, the heathen got her vengeance anyway. Mm-hmm. There was no final girl. Which I liked the plot twist at the end, too, was not not just that Nana is this heathen child that should have been killed off and gotten rid of. And that, unbeknownst to her, really converted into a Christian her whole life and then taught how to fight. But that she remembers her past and remembers who she was or who she should be. And then uses that magic to basically kill kettle kettle he's strangling her but there's this moment where she's like that's fine i'm gonna die and i'm gonna become a drag. i'm gonna fucking kill you because mm-hmm. there's nothing that can stop me after that and then we have a final boy instead of a final girl because poor cole is just the only one left what a day for him what know, a right? couple of days like dude. who buddy he's just a dude in a band like probably a heathen like i said probably did kill the missionary who knows if they stuck with that side of it that it kind of got stoned to death again that was a little dark because it was nighttime ish when that discovery was made so it was like was he you know obviously corpses um yeah so maybe he stoned some dude to death and he's like i just wanted some food and then i got injured and then i got waterboarded i forgot about that and then (laughs) oh yeah they did do that I was like, I got water, I fucking got waterboarded and tortured. And then I almost got killed by a drought. And then I kind of fell in love with this girl, but then she died. And then she killed that guy. It was funny because here I am watching the end of the film. And I'm like, so there's got to be some kind of addendum, right? So then Cole wakes up and he's just in this canoe in the water. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, like that's it. He doesn't get back. Like, what happens to Cole? You know, like, where does he go? He goes downstream. Yes, he's safe. You know, 
Because because then everything has been avenged and the drow can move on to the, to the afterlife. I think another more real world paranormal term for um, what the drow are kind of like are uh, wraiths. Because we we oh yeah did yeah, we talk about them with too. like e- not Egyptian uh, Mesopotamia ancient Mesopotamian ghosts that mm-hmm. like out of vengeance would come back. Yeah, they just didn't use the word wraith, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of... Yeah, I forget what it was called, because I I don't... I mean, I listen. I do right now actually totally forget the name of all that stuff. That's fine. I don't expect you to, like, look it up. At the same time, if you don't look it up... Uh, I swear I'm not actually phoning this in. I I wrote everything out, but... Yeah, I just throw random questions and, like, connections and shit. This has been a day. (laughs) So overall, let's say... You know, dialogue, well, was it good? Um, I had to read it. So, yeah. It was good for the reading part of it. Yeah. And I, generally, I tell people watch a movie in its original language and read the subtitles because a lot is lost in translation. And uh, I, you're going to feel like I said this before, JC, but it's because I said it in the other one. Mm. When I'm watching Japanese horror films, I have to listen to the Japanese being said and just read the subtitles. There was one time I did the experiment. I started watching The Ring or Ringu and I did like a comparison like, okay, here's a sentence. Okay, fine. I read it. Now I'm going to play it back, but with the subtitles. It was so bad. I was like, that's not, no. Or it was without the subtitles with them speaking English. And I was like, that's not even close to what it was. What? <laughs> yeah, so I don't like to listen to dub overs at all, personally. I learned my lesson early on. It was, That's it was something fighting. I like about horror in general. It doesn't, it's not usually dialogue heavy. Yeah, it's a lot more about the action and about the fear buildup and about the visuals. Yeah. That, now, that's not to mean there aren't, like, genres of horror that, like, thrive off the dialogue. Psychological thrillers. A yeah. little bit of both for me. Yeah. Okay, so props. I already said I loved the props used were great. There were mm-hmm. a couple of little, and you can find these on IMDb. There was a couple of little snafus, and they actually had to do with with clothing. I looked for this, too, because I kind of read about the goofs before. When they capture Cole, it looks like he's wearing, like, regular straight-legged jeans, almost, rather than, like the leggings that they normally would um, have worn. And that could have just been like a afterthought and wardrobe Art, issue. Yeah. There's a lot that has to go on on a set in order for you to make sure that everybody has the right thing all the time. There's a props master. There's wardrobes people. There's reasons why these guys get awards because <laughs> things, things can get missed. Things can go awry. Uh, but overall, not a big, really not a big deal for that at all. I thought the, wardrobe was fine and and other if i hadn't been looking for that particular little goof i would have never seen it Mm -hmm. so wardrobe makeup fine again not didn't really have to go into it much for this one because it's very drab it's the 11th century it's fighting garb music and sound i thought the music was actually really cool for this yeah i did too and sound effects yeah, it was really cool, especially the music around the spookiness of it and just walking through the forest and all that. That really good sound effects. So I don't know what I liked the most, probably the attention to detail for the historical and the uh, ritual stuff. 
And like I said, the thing that I liked the least was maybe a little bit too heavy on the darkness in certain parts of it, but not enough to destroy the film for me. For me, I enjoyed watching people murder people. <laughs> the Royal Guard, even the bandits, they used good fighting techniques and weapons. And because you didn't see the bandits all with swords. They had spears, bows, like things that yeah. would have been more for the peasantry. Whereas swords, that's for soldiers. Like if you have a sword, you're... And then the thing I like the least, probably the same as you. Like I hate to like piggyback, but yeah, just some things were difficult to see and it, it, it was a little rough. But if you figure that this is... Um, their first movie. Right. It's like their first movie and the first time if they've written the movie as well to get it this good. Yeah, so they did a good job. Go. It doesn't happen very often. No. And so far, the ratings that I've seen from other people are also about a four out of five. And that's where I'd put it as well. So it's very near perfect for a first go. Well done. Yeah, uh, I will also give a four out of five uh, because it, it was a very enjoyable movie. I think if you are, well, I mean, hopefully everyone listening to this has already watched it. But if you haven't and you enjoy like medieval horror, give it a go. Watch all the things, read all the things and good luck on your dice rolls.